Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. All right, guys. Good morning. We are, uh, we are officially here this morning. Hey, if you like to... Um, oh, that feels so good. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We are, this will be our introduction to our Easter celebration this year. Uh, next Sunday will be Palm Sunday. Sunday following that will be our Easter celebration Sunday. And uh, this morning, we're going to take a glimpse. We're just going to take a glimpse at suffering, suffering that brings life. Suffering that brings life. Say, Pastor, couldn't you have a little more joyful theme uh, for Easter this year? And I will tell you, uh, as we go through, you will see it is going to be a glorious and a joyful theme because there is this great paradox throughout the Word of God. There almost, and some will say, and they are not correct, a contradiction, but there is a paradox uh, throughout the Word of God regarding suffering in the lives of God's people and joy, being able to have joy and peace in the midst of suffering, trials, loss, and grief. And we see that very, it is on display in the glory of God at Easter because Jesus, who was all God and all man, and, and sometimes we discount, forgive me, sometimes I discount the humanity of Jesus because he was God, is God. He on earth was all man and all God. So we're going to see the humanity of Jesus Christ uh, this morning and next week. We're going to see suffering that brings life, and we're going to be encouraged, each of us, I hope, uh, in our own walks. So, 1 Peter chapter 1, I will read verses uh, 1 through 9. Of course, the uh, first couple of verses are simply Peter's greeting to the people. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Listen, I know you guys hear me say this often. I am a pastor who's just dying to preach word for word and spend four weeks on nine verses. But you know you would all quit. And, and so I'm going to try hard not to do that. But we're going to see three things here um, in our introduction to suffering that brings life. And just in Peter's introduction, here are the three things. If you're, if you, if you're one of those people and you take notes um, one, in the first couple of verses, it is so important to realize the implications of the fact that God chose you. God chose you, follower of Jesus. God chose you. Secondly, in verses 3 through 5, you're going to see we are going to talk a little bit about God saving you. God choosing you. God saving you in verses 3 through 5. Um, and then in verses 6 through 9, God keeping you. God keeping you, okay? And that's simply God's um, purpose in suffering, all right? But I was just trying to keep that little rhythm going there, okay? God choosing you, God saving you, and God keeping you, all right? So to suffer, or the concise Oxford Dictionary reveals the verb means to undergo pain or grief or damage or disablement even to undergo martyrdom. Peter, Peter is a shepherding pastor. We were going through this in, in 1 Peter 5, uh, verses 1 through 5 or 6. He encourages the pastors. He says, shepherd your flock well. And he exhorts pastors. Peter is a shepherding pastor. You know what I learned? Uh, something else while I was gone. Um, a shepherd is a returning one. Okay, let me tell you something fun. Look. So in our culture, we love to have, uh, or I say we just in general, maybe not you, we love to have these celebrity pastors, right? And secretly, most pastors hope that they accidentally become a celebrity, right? <laughs> that they go and plant this church in some faraway nation, and somebody writes a book about them because thousands of people come to Christ because they are so eloquent, uh, in the Holy Spirit, of course. Uh, or, or the pastor, the pastor who goes to the city and, and he starts a church in a tough community and he wants everyone to clap and cheer for him because he's just so one. And we create, our culture creates these celebrity pastors, right? And, and so why did I say all of that? Uh, I wasn't going to go there this morning. The pastor, yeah, yeah, thank you. He, yeah, so, but this idea, this, this pastor said, this guy was like a rock star pastor, and through a series of circumstances in his life, he was no longer a rock star pastor. And, and this guy says, a pastor is a returning one. So when Christ was born, don't you remember that the shepherds saw the star and they followed it and they found Jesus? And so when the shepherds found him, that they came and they worshiped and they praised God. They knew they had been visited by God. They knew they were seeing the Messiah. So you know what they did? One of them wrote a book. The other one directed a movie about his, his, his great transition to, to seeing the baby Jesus. Okay? And the other one 
The other one um, sold some souvenirs from the manger for a million dollars. Haven't y'all read that in the Bible? Yeah, one shepherd wrote a book. Another, another shepherd made a movie. And another shepherd, he, he just got rich. Yeah, you didn't read that in the Bible? No. Oh. Now, you know what the Bible says? I've never paid attention to this. You may not have either. Do you know what the shepherds did? After they saw Jesus and worshiped God, they went away praising God. They went back to their flocks. The shepherds returned to their dirty, smelly um, sheep, uh, some of whom will wander away if you take your eye off of them for one minute. Their station in life on the socioeconomic ladder, I can't, I'm getting a little older now, but it was way down here. So Peter is, Peter is a returning one. He is a pastor exhorting pastors. Peter cares about these people. Here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Um, he says, remember, you are aliens scattered. The word in the Greek language is diaspora. They were being persecuted for their faith and being scattered. Here is Peter, the pastor to the Jews, writing to primarily what they think is a Gentile group. Scratch your head. And um, these people are being scattered all over the place. And it caused me... He calls them aliens. They're living in places that are not their permanent homes. They are suffering. He wants to encourage them. Have you ever moved to a new city or a place or a new place by yourself and felt all alone? Maybe you, maybe you left home and went to college. You know, it's supposed to be fun, dorm, sorority, fraternity, right? You're going to have fun, but you moved to a new place by yourself. Maybe you got there, you felt all alone. Or what was it like the first time you moved away from your family home, from your mom and dad, you know, to a new place? Peter wants to encourage them and comfort them that although they were being rejected where they were living, they did belong somewhere. So what we're going to see here is four encouragements, okay? Um, God choosing you. We're going to see Peter give the people four, four encouragements, all right? And he says, one, you're God's chosen people. God reached out to you. God, he tells them, God loves you. You are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. But listen, this whole idea of being chosen, we talk about this sometimes. A verse in my, um, a verse in my devotions this week that reminded me who you and I are in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, who you are. Um, shout out to Diane for sharing her devotional book with me, her new devotional book with me. Um, listen to what Paul says about being chosen by God. He says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. Not children, the children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed, listen to this, we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. That was Romans 8, 15 through 17. Romans 8, 15 through 17. So listen, we hear again suffering. Now, now even Paul is saying here that your position 
in the family of God, your position has changed when you come to know Christ. And that word becoming a son in that particular passage in the Greek language, that means that as a, um, an adopted child, the word adopted there is different. And in their culture, there were certain rights you would have if you were adopted into someone's family that the, um, that the natural born children of the family didn't even have. Because adoption was such a big deal. That was serious business because you were coming into, you know, uh, a person was coming into someone's family. That family was adopting them. You're saying you're going to become one of us. So there were rights that an adopted child had back then that were rights and privileges because it was such a big deal. So, so this idea that God chose you um, is important. Listen, there's nothing more important uh, when we are suffering or, or having difficult times in our lives to remember to whom we belong. To lean into the love of God. Um, God loved you so much. Finish quoting John 3.16. And we're going to see that. But God loved you so much that he chose you. Not only did he choose you, not only are you his adopted child, sons and daughters, Lean into that. Lean into that. Um, he says here that by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, again, you know what God does? God loves you so much that He makes you holy. Doesn't matter whether or not you feel holy this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has made you holy. It is not based on your behavior. Somebody say amen. I like that. I need to hear that myself sometimes. But here's what else God does. God sets you apart for his purposes. So then now, hold on, God, right? Um, a writer, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, says that he thinks the whole art of Christianity is to ask good questions, right? It's, think about that. My, um, I'm married to someone who says that a lot, you know. When you have tough conversations, you know, ask questions. You learn a lot more that way. But... The whole art of the Christian life is to ask, well, God, if you love me so much, if Jesus died for me, if I am your child, why then am I suffering? <laughs> why did Jesus suffer? He's God's son. So, so but ask good questions. Uh, that is a good question. God, you love me. You saved me. You had this purpose for my life. Why am I suffering? These guys, followers of Jesus, they're suffering persecution, persecution for their faith in particular. Okay. Um, so God loves you so much that he makes you holy through your salvation and then he sets you apart for his purpose. We can be excited about that even when we're having difficult times. So I do lean on some things that I forgot about, right? I have some difficult times in my life and I forget God set me apart for this great thing that I get to do, me in my life, who God has called me to be. I used to wake up every day and say, man, God, what a privilege. Let's have fun today. And then after a long time, I stopped saying that. Hey, God, what a privilege what I get to do today. Let's go have fun. Okay, every day is not fun, but I say I wake up every day grateful for what I got to do. Waking up. That's right, yeah. Waking up for starters, amen, right? Take it for granted. How about we don't take it for granted? But waking up and, and having joy in the purpose for which God created me. And somewhere along the line, I stopped having that joy um, in the purpose for which God created me. Again, so God is setting you apart. We can even take joy in that. And then thirdly, we see um, 
we, we see God choosing you for. The third thing we see is obeying Jesus Christ. Now look, when he talks about obeying Christ, he's talking about the fact that you came to Christ in salvation. You obeyed, if you will, the gospel. You heard the gospel and you responded to the gospel, right? Um, we share this verse a lot with kids. Romans 10, 16 um, says, However, they did not all heed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You heard the word of God. You heard the gospel. Good news. Eangelion. That's the, you heard the good news and you responded. You obeyed the gospel. So now this whole idea of God choosing you, we're talking about a relationship between you and the creator of the universe because of Jesus. And then fourthly, um, fourthly, what we see here uh, is the sprinkling of the blood. You have forgiveness. You have eternal forgiveness as a child of God. That's deep, right? And God has you covered. So this whole idea of God choosing you, man, God went all out. And so if we were to read uh, Exodus 24, 7 and 8, and Moses came down and he sprinkled the people with the blood. I mean, we take that for granted because we read our Bibles or hopefully we read our Bibles. I mean, come on. It sounds a little creepy, doesn't it? The man comes down off the mountain. He's glowing, right? Because he's been hanging out with God and he sprinkles the people with blood. Sounds like something you see in a creepy movie, right? Uh, no, but God was serious. Here, listen, in the Old Testament, the blood of the sacrifice covered the people's sins. For you and I, in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross brings removal and forgiveness of your sins for eternity. Amen? Past, present, and future. So the song, the old hymn, and I still, we had, we had to do a hymn sing one of these Sundays. There's power in the blood. The, the picture I like to share in the Old Testament is the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies that the Israelites traveled with. Those guys camped out for 40 years. Man, I wouldn't last a weekend camping, you know? My idea of camping is, is the HI Express. And look, I want a king-size bed or I'm mad. So they camped out for 40 years. And then the Holy of Holies, this tent where the Ark of the Covenant resided and the mercy seat was on the tent representing God's mercy. The priest would go in there once a year and sprinkle blood on that mercy seat. And that was the blood to cover the sins of the people of Israel. And the priest better be right when he went in there or he wasn't coming out alive. Uh, true story. And so they sprinkled this blood. What that the blood is, the blood seals the covenant. The covenant is the relationship. So you being sprinkled with the blood, you are in a covenant relationship. And remember, the most important thing about a covenant that I tell you all that we share, excuse me, that we share all the time is that the covenant is not based on your behavior. It's not like a contract or services rendered. The covenant says, God says, no matter what you do, I'm not breaking my word to you. So we're in this thing forever. God says. So we see these four things. God choosing you. Right? God chooses you. He sanctifies you and sets you apart because you have obeyed the gospel and you have been cleansed from your sins. So look, he's encouraging these people who are suffering for their faith. He says, listen guys, 
Listen, it's it's a little tough right now, but I want to encourage you with the spiritual truths that can play out, that do play out in your day-to-day life. So whether you're on a high plane right now, feeling good, all is right, you know, you and Jesus, y'all just rocking it out, hanging out every day. Um, Or whether you're just, you know, you're on cruise control or you're on survival mode or you are suffering. Um, And we suffer for many different reasons. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. God says, God says, look, if you're my child, if you have entered into this covenant relationship, these things are true for you. So hang in there, guys. That's what Peter's saying. That's what I like. And then we see here God saving you. In verses 3 through 5, we get, look, this is just like theological mic drop, okay? I mean, this is just like a glitter bomb, okay? You know how bad those are, right? This is like a glitter bomb. Your carpet will never be clean for the rest of your natural life, okay? So, catch your breath. In verses 3 through 5, we see God's mercy, Jesus' resurrection, our born, you being born again, something new. We see hope for today, hope for eternity. We see your inheritance. He's telling the people that they're protected and that they have a future. That's a whole other sermon, right? See, I told y'all, you need to just cut me loose and let me preach two verses a week for the rest of our lives, okay? But so listen to verses 3 through 5. He says, and by the way, I go back to Romans 8, 15 through 17. Um, but first he says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he had mercy on you, he calls you to be born again. Listen, this is something new. And I, almost, I wanted to do like the nice, oh, God's doing something new for Easter. I really did. I, really, I wanted to like latch on to that. But that's really not, you know... We're going to talk about it now because it's, it's here, but, but God has caused us to be, by the way, who causes us to be born again? Oh, my goodness. So he chooses us and he causes us to be born again, right? We don't get to take credit for it. We just get to enjoy it forever. Okay. So, but he causes us to be born again to a living hope. Here it is, a living hope. So that is hope for today, no matter what I'm going through right? (laughs) The pains of loss and grief, losing someone that you love, uh, depression, um, anger, hatred. I mean, come on, we, you know, it's tough out there sometimes, right? Whatever it is that we're going through, as followers of Jesus Christ, we do have to deal with those things as followers of Jesus Christ, but you have a living hope. Why? Through. Prepositions are fun in the Bible. I'm an undercover nerd. I could be a nerd. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus Christ, the suffering servant, right? Last year, we talked about the uh, servant songs in Isaiah at, at, at use your words, Charlie, don't stutter, um, at Easter. Um, and we talked about Jesus Christ being our suffering servant. We have a Savior who suffered on our behalf. But he was all man, he was all God. Jesus Christ suffered. He went through emotional, mental, and physical pain, torture, grief. By the way, um, great Easter verse in John chapter 11, Jesus goes to see, hang out with his friends, Martha and Mary. 
And I love this story, by the way. Uh, I kid you not. I, I really almost blew it. I, so I go to do a funeral, right? I don't know this guy. <laughs> I don't know this guy. This guy died, right? I had no idea. They called me like the day before. I'm like, yeah, sure. It's a compassion. It's a compassion thing. And pastors, more pastors, that's what I do. So I go and I decide we're going to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. Right. So I go and preach John chapter 11. Right. And then Jesus says to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he asked Martha point blank, do you believe this? She says, yes, Messiah. Yes, Jesus. I believe this. And so she was certain of her faith, right? But Jesus grieved over his friend Lazarus. Jesus was all man at the same time. He was all God. So, man, I'm fired up. I'm preaching his funeral, right? I'm just saying, man, every now and then somebody gets saved at a funeral. It's happened. It's happened. Um, so I get through the funeral. I'm talking to the family afterwards. I don't know any of these people, right? <laughs> old guy comes up to me. Me calling someone old. Old guy comes up to me. He looks at me. He's got this grin on his face, and he's shaking his head. He said, Pastor, for a couple minutes there, I didn't know where you were going. <laughs> he said, I thought maybe you're going to walk down next to that casket and, <laughs> and try to raise my uncle from. <laughs> I've never been more embarrassed in my life. So don't preach Lazarus at a funeral. Okay. But I did think of the verse, all that to tell you. I did think of the verse, this living hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We have a living hope in Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ, by the way, when he comes back this time, it's as a conquering king. Suffering servant was the first time. But our Savior suffered. And, and, and so don't believe. So, and, and some folks have a misconception. And I don't know so much nowadays as, as a while back that I'm going to come to know Christ, confess my sins, surrender my life to Jesus, get a good feeling, good vibes, get baptized. That's all should happen. That's all good stuff. And then all of a sudden, my life's just going to be hunky-dory forever. No, the devil's mad. He's mad he can't have you, but he's also smart. He knows he can mess you around. I shared that with someone last week, and, 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 and we had a moment. But the devil can't have you if you're God's child, but he can sure mess you around if you and I aren't careful. Amen? So, so we're born again. We have this living hope. Now let's go back to the family language here. Listen to, you have an inheritance. You have an inheritance. Watch, there's some cool stuff here. I, I, I don't pay attention to the details sometimes. Um, I should be. Um, he says, to obtain an, inher to an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected. Now, are you, me, you, are we protected or is our inheritance protected? Scratch your head. I think he's talking to the people. But another writer in, implies or says that what if it's what if what if there's somebody in heaven guarding your inheritance? How cool is that, right? Um, I don't know if that's the case. Um, my structural outline was a little weak this week. Pom, bofum. Yeah, y'all y'all don't know. Do y'all know about? That's another story for another day. <laughs> Write down bofum, B-O-F-U-M, and I'll tell you a story another day. Okay, so reserved. But listen, it is imperishable undefiled it will never fade away and it's yours mm -hmm. you have an eternal inheritance waiting for you i'm too earthy i, I i'm convicted and convinced I, I confess it now i need to do something about it i'm earthy 
I'm all about God's work here because that's exciting to me. Um, but eternity, I don't think enough about eternity. I don't think enough about. Listen, when we're suffering, when we're grieving, when we're depressed, when we're angry, when we feel all is lost and we have those moments. Um, um, and that is when I need to lean into the truth of that promise that I have an eternal inheritance awaiting me. Uh, I, I don't. I don't live in light of eternity enough. Eternity started for me the day when I was 12 years old and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and confessed my sins. Um, that's when eternity started for me. There'll be this little passing from death, uh, uh, from this life to the next life called death. But eternity for the believer starts when you come to know Christ. Amen. But my, my, my viewpoint is too earthy sometimes. So you have this eternal. So God is choosing you. God is saving you. I don't like to use the past tense. Okay. Um, and here we're going to see now God is keeping you. In verses, uh, we're calling it 6 through 9. Um, that's debatable, but we'll call it that. And listen, he says, in this you greatly rejoice. What? In what? What we just talked about. You have this imperishable, eternal inheritance that can't be taken away or won't fade away. You have, this is you. This is all for you. God has this for you. So in this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distra distressed. There's a better word for that. We'll talk about it in a minute. You have been distressed by various trials. So he says, Rejoice in this, even though right now you're going through it. Here's what happens sometimes. Um, in the King James Version, I think it's a little closer to the Greek, um, and he calls it manifold trials. Um, and it's almost like this many-colored, uh, all the colors of the spectrum. Have you ever, did you ever have one of those, kale is that a kaleidoscope when you were a kid? This thing, like, you know, that was like technology when I was 10 years. You know, that's right. We didn't, yeah. So, and, and you see how all the colors and the shapes change? This, so, you're going to go through so many trials. Well, thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, Peter. Hold on. I thought you were encouraging us here. It says, when you're going through these various many-colored kaleidoscope-like trials, that's what he's saying. They come in different ways and colors. They come in different forms and shapes. And there is no end to the variety of them, says Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book. So, man, buddy, you're really encouraging us today too, right? But in this world, Jesus says, you will have what? Tribulation. So, so that's in the Greek language there. That's what we're getting. He says, Rejoice, even though now, for a little while, the little while could be a couple months, a year, could be the rest of your earthly life. People suffer. Like, look, we live in a fallen world. The devil is active. Uh, sin, I mean, you can blame Adam and Eve if it makes you feel better. But, you know, um, our bodies, you know, we top out somewhere around 30, 35 years old, right? And so take good care of your physical tent there. Uh, but, but listen, it's, it, it's tough sometimes. And the writer's acknowledging that. The Bible is real. Look, the Bible doesn't paint some, some rosy fake picture just to get you in the door. The Bible tells you the truth. 
He says here, though you have been distressed, you have been, really the better word for distress there literally is grieved. You've been grieved with these various colored and many um, different trials of all these varieties. He's, look, says, so then, anything in this life that tends to trouble you, something that touches you in the most sensitive and delicate part of your being, in your heart, in your mind, the thing that tends to cast you down, the writer of the book says here, that's where I'm at risk for spiritual depression or discouragement. Look, I get it. Not every time you don't, people don't get depressed every time they experience grief. And, and we'll talk about grief more specifically, you know, another time. But you, there's healthy grief. There is. Um, but there's also this grief that he's talking about here that is this there's all these different trials and these different griefs that lead you down that path to depression. But again, how do we deal with it? The art of the Christian life is asking good questions, right? So, so we ask, why are these things happening to me? Why? Um, sometimes we enter into these times of grief or suffering because they're ultimately good for us. Man, I read that. I thought that's a hard truth right there. Because it is part of our discipline in this life. How about this? Because God has appointed it. Hold up, God, I thought you loved me. I do, God says to you and me. Hold up, Jesus loves me. Yes, he does. Then God, why have you... Sometimes, not always, but sometimes, God uses these trials to discipline us, to shape us, to mold us, to grow us. This idea of chastening... We'll talk about it another time. It literally means to be put in the gymnasium. There's a word there in this passage, or in a different passage, that, that sometimes um, God is just simply putting us, in the, putting us in the gymnasium in order to get us into shape. The trials in my life, God might just be putting you in the gymnasium to get you. Look, y'all, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, I go in the gym right now, I'm going to be hurting, right? <laughs> But God is, God is getting me in shape right now in some spiritual ways. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it is discipline. Sometimes it is simply God growing and shaping and molding you. Easy answers? Nope. No. Sometimes God is preparing you for a particularly great task. You want to hear something even cruddier? Sometimes you're going to go through smaller trials because God's preparing you for a bigger trial. Mm. Man, I don't like that one either, right? Patience is the sheer capacity to go on and keep on in spite of discouragement. We have to continue reminding ourselves of the truth of who God is and our relationship with God. Now, if we were going to continue in 1 Peter... Uh, and we're not, we're, we're simply preparing our Savior as a suffering servant. We're entering into our Easter time. And before we celebrate Easter, we're going to go through the darkness. Uh, we're going to go through the darkness that Jesus went through in the Word of God. And we're going to see how he suffered. And yet, in verses 13 through 25, in the rest of the chapter, Peter exhorts these believers 
to do some things in their lives that will help them get through these trials. He says, prepare your mind for action. Be sober in your spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God. Be obedient. Don't go back to the old life. He calls it the former lusts, which were in you in ignorance. So don't go back to the, don't, don't give up and go back to where you came from. Don't, don't give up. Be obedient. Be like an obedient child with your daddy. Trust your daddy. Trust your, your, your parent in heaven, your daddy. And then he says, and this popular verse in 116, be, you shall be holy for I am holy. Quotation from the Old Testament. And he goes through these exhortations to the people. But really he's saying, guys, hang in there. Don't forget who you are. Don't go back to the old life. He says, you have a hope. You have an inheritance. Um, I chose you. I love you. You can get through this trial. I'm growing you. I'm shaping you. So there is purpose even in the difficult days of our lives. So as we get ready for Easter, I think I was in... I think I was in Matthew, and I think it was chapter 26. I didn't, didn't write it down. I was speeding a little bit. Um, Jesus went, it is, verse 36. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane with his um, disciples, and they were supposed to pray. You guys know the story. It was the night that he was arrested, right? Verse 38 of Matthew 26. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved, to the point of death, remain here and keep watch with me. Jesus wanted to be surrounded by his people. Why? He was grieving to the point of death. One of the other gospels, is it Mark? Says that when he was praying so earnestly, it was like um, drops of blood forming on his forehead and coming out like sweat. He was praying so hard. Jesus was grieved. He knew what was about to happen. And he, but he was still all man as well as all God. Jesus knew what he was going to suffer on your behalf and on mine. So we see that not only did Jesus suffer in order for you and I to have salvation and eternal life because of his great love for you, because he chose you, because he knew his purpose in the Father, that he was going to save you, that you were going to be born again, that you could have hope in your life, not just hope for today, but hope for eternity, that you have an inheritance that's protected and you have a future no matter what you're going through, that you have a future. And then we begin just a little teeny glimpse into the purpose of, of suffering. We see how God is keeping us even in the midst of the suffering of our humanity. We don't suffer all the time, but watch. There's this paradox of peace and joy and suffering. I did not understand, I'm supposed to be a grown-up, but I'm really not, understand how can I have these things in my life at the same time? How can I have this baseline of, how can I have a baseline of peace and joy in my life when I'm experiencing this great trial or loss or hardship or anger or fear, how when it's attacking me every day, it's attacking my mind. I don't like who I am when this is going on. Um, I don't like what I say and do to other people in my life. 
when this is going on. I feel guilty. How can I be a child of God? I begin to question even my very my 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 salvation or Christianity. How can I how can I do this? And the writer here gives us a glimpse the how to endure. He says, "Rejoice, greatly rejoice, because for a little while, see, a little while." When you and I begin to know and understand and we think about in light of eternity instead of just in light of tomorrow, we start to think, hey, maybe I can do this thing. Maybe I can do this thing. You know what else suffering does? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the answer and run so you can be mad at me if you want. You know what else? I didn't believe this at first. I'm still, I'm still working it through. Suffering in our lives increases our capacity to love think about it because i'm still working on it i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to be smart um suffering increases our capacity to love now look i'm not going home praying for more suffering or more trials um i used to make the joke about not praying for patience and and i would laugh and probably get a few of you to laugh at the same time and shame on me because i won't do that anymore but there's hope if you're going through it right now there's hope and you heard why this morning i went a little long and you let me so i appreciate that um but as we go to the lord in prayer this morning and and if you are suffering if you are going through it you know what just let yourself just kind of lean that word inclined in the bible means lean into just kind of lean into jesus this morning he loves you he loves you. You're not on display. You're not on a performance-based relationship. You're not. Let's go, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning.